Hey, I know Lakin's a little excited about TakeOver. Are you guys a little excited? Yeah. Do you guys want free shirts or no? Or? Look, I've already seen the shirts and they're pretty, they're, pretty, they're pretty legit. They're lit. They're legit. We're doing baseball tees, so you guys should get pumped. They're nice. But it's not next week. We got another week left. Okay, sorry. Next week we're going to end our Get get Dirty series. And then we've got our two-year celebration. So just so you guys know, she got a little bit excited. I'm sure some of y'all are excited. Just hold on. Okay. You guys tired of school yet? No. Yes. That was a mix. Some of y'all didn't even answer because y'all probably are so sick of school. Has anybody been shoved in a locker yet? Has anybody shoved someone in a locker? You guys really can in a locker? Are you raising your hand that you've been shoved in one or you're shoving people in lockers? I shoved someone in one. Oh my goodness. That's, that's going to need to be a We, uh, anybody that's doing your connect cards, say a prayer. <laughs> shoving people in lockers. So, but hey, uh, like Joseph said, tonight we've got our Get Dirty series. Uh, and so we're going to be continuing that into our second week. So just to kind of recap and look at last week, we introduced our brand new series. And what we talked about is the whole point of this Get Dirty series was to talk about the fact that if we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to have a relationship with him, there are going to be times that we got to get dirty. And they can't just spend our entire relationship with Jesus standing on the sideline. I told you guys about my story about playing football, that I was not very good. I was not very athletic, but I spent all of my days on the sideline. I used to get my pants and dirty dirty so it looked like I played. Okay, we can't live our lives like that. We can't live our lives making it look like we've gotten dirty. We have to actually get into the game sometimes. We've got to get out there, and we've got to do some things that, that are going to get us a little bit dirty at times if we're going to follow Jesus. If we're going to show other people what Jesus is about and what his love is. And so last week, we looked at John chapter 9. And we talked about the story of the blind man. We talked about how Jesus went out of his way to heal this blind man. And we looked at a couple different things. One of the things that we talked about is we talked about the fact that that sometimes dirtiness is healing. Like Jesus had to get dirty to heal the blind man. He had to spit into the mud. Remember we talked about it was probably like a legitimate massive spit that he put in the mud, made that, wiped it on the guy's eyes. He had to. He had to do it to to prove a fact that he could perform a miracle wiping on the guy's eyes. Then we talked about the fact that sometimes dirtiness is blinding, that even, even when there's something, a miracle that's happened, when we've seen Jesus change someone's life, that even when it's right in front of us in culture, that dirtiness can be blinding as the fair. They didn't believe the fact that, that this man was once blind. They didn't believe that Jesus had healed him. And we talked about how that's our lives in culture, that a lot of times when you're in, even in school, the lives that you live and the things that you do, people don't believe you because culture doesn't want to believe what it doesn't understand. And then we brought to the fact we talked about how, how dirtiness is saving. And dirtiness saves because we talked about in the end that Jesus said, look, anybody who who comes to me and worships me, I will love them and show them that love. And we talked about the fact that that's what he did for the blind man. He, He loved on the blind man just to prove the fact that he can perform miracles, that he can save and change people's life. And so tonight we're going to look at a couple different stories from the Bible where Jesus had to get dirty and had to be dirty to, to, to prove who he was, to prove what he could do. So as we get into that, what I want to ask you guys is how many of you have ever taken a risk before? Like a, like a legitimate risk, okay? Like, and I say risk, what I'm talking about is like things that you, you know in your, your head tells you one thing you got to do it, but your gut tells you another you got to get it done. It's one of these risks that scares you to death. How many of you have done that? You've done a risk before that you were scared to death because you had no idea what the outcome would be. Okay? That's a lot of times the, the things that we do in our lives and the decisions that we make. 
See, the thing is that sometimes to get to the end result, sometimes to get to where we want to go, we have to perform a risk. We have to take a risk. And if you actually look at our lives as a whole, if you think about your entire day, almost many of the choices that you make, almost maybe even all the choices that you make or decisions that you make involve some type of risk, involve taking a risk. Like I looked at my own life. For me, it was a risk for me to decide where I wanted to go to college. I had no idea. I didn't know anything. You guys, uh, most of you know that I graduated high school from Japan, and I had to find a high college that I had to go to in the States. I had no idea how to drive. I had no idea. And by drive, you got to remember the steering wheel is on the opposite side of the car in Japan. You drive on the opposite side of the road. I had no idea what an interstate was. All I knew is I wanted to stay as close to mom and dad as I could. So I didn't have to drive. I didn't know how to do anything. But it was a risk for me to choose the school that I wanted to go to. I also thought about the fact that it was a risk for me to choose my major. I had no idea. How many of you guys in this room have been asked that age-old question, so uh, what do you want to do with your life? What do, you, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you're like, look, I'm just trying to make it through middle school. All right, I'm just trying to get through, like, I'm just trying to get through math class because I have no idea. Like, I'm just trying to make it to day two. Okay, like I'm, I'm just trying to get through the first week of school. I have no idea. I haven't even thought that far in advance. What I want to be is somebody that passes my classes so I don't get grounded. Okay, that's what I want to be in life. So I had to think about that. Like, what do I want to major in? What do I want to be? Like, what do I want to be when I grow up? Like, I'm at that point now. I've got to make that decision. Some other things I thought about was moving to Birmingham. I had no idea. I moved from Montgomery. I went to Huntington College. I had no idea. Only thing I knew of in Birmingham was where the Galleria was. Okay, that's the only, all I knew is I went down 65, I got off at the Hoover exit, and you went to the Galleria, okay? When you live in Montgomery, that's the only thing you come to Birmingham for, okay? You just came for the mall, okay? So we came, that's all I knew that was down here. So for me, that was a massive risk. It was a big risk for me to start working at the YMCA because I had no idea what to expect. I had no idea. I've never been in a leadership position. I've never had a chance where I've managed other people. I never had to do those things. It was a risk. It was scary for me to do. It was a massive risk. Maybe not as much for me, but for Emily, when I asked her on a date for her to say yes, okay, that was a huge risk, okay? You guys know that I had a shady past. Emily knew about my crazy past, but she still went on a date with me. And just so you guys know, she was a, it was a risk for me to ask her to marry me. Really, again, I answer that question, is it more of a risk for her or a risk for me? Because she's marrying a guy who on the very first date took her to a Chinese buffet and a dollar theater, okay? <laughs> guys, take notes. All right? It's cheap. It was fun. And I got to eat Chinese food and we went to a very cheap movie. Okay? But it was a risk for her. It was a risk for her to say yes. It was a risk for her to do those things. Think about a couple other things. It was a risk for us to come to Colts Bay. We didn't know anything about it. Uh, we didn't know what we were come from. We didn't know if we'd like it. Uh, you know, I had, you guys know that I've told you before that my dad was a pastor. I'd listened to my dad for 20 something years. I'd never listened to another pastor really. Emily came from a like legitimate small church in Morris, like very small church uh, in Morris. And that's what she did. So it was a risk for us. It was a risk for us to start the student ministry because we had no idea what we were getting into and we didn't know what to expect. We just knew this, what we felt like God was calling us to do. And then on top of everything else, it was a risk for us to decide that it was time for us to start a family because Addison didn't get to choose her parents. She kind of got stuck with Emily and I. Okay. She, there's no way around it. She has us There's nothing she can do. But the point of all these things that I'm saying that every choice that we make, it has positives and it has negatives. It has ups, it has downs, it has good times, it has bad times. But all the choices that we make, it is essentially a risk because a lot of times we don't know these things. We don't know the end outcome. We don't know what's going to come from it. What ends up happening is it requires what you call a leap of faith. 
You got to take a leap of faith. A leap of faith means you have no idea what's at the bottom. It's like jumping off a cliff that's covered by clouds. For all you know, it could be two feet tall and you're going to be fine. Like you're going to be standing in the cloud. And the next thing you know, it could be like thousands of feet tall. Okay, you have to just trust in what God has for you. Trust in what's out there and just literally take a leap and hope what God's kind of given you or what you feel God's telling you is the correct thing. And you're doing what God wants you to do. So you have to take this, this big leap of faith, even though we can't see the end result. And so as I thought about a leap of faith, I'm like, how can I show them what a leap of faith is? How can I kind of get them to understand the example? Well, I kind of thought back again. I told you 80s movies were always my favorite. I loved 80s movies. See, when I was a kid, my heroes were people like Indiana Jones, okay? Like Whip, okay? He, had that, he didn't have a gun. He didn't use weapons. He had this massive whip that he used on people all the time. He had a hat that no matter what he did, he never lost it. Okay, somehow he jumped off a cliff into a river, came up out of the river with a hat on. Okay, he had his hat everywhere he went. Indiana Jones was cool because he had like short round. Okay, short round was this small little Asian kid that was extremely smart that did everything for Indiana Jones. He could go in the places that Indy couldn't. He crawled in the small spaces. He made all these funny jokes all the time. Like, it's cool. He had short round. We all wanted a short round. Okay, so he had all these things he did. But Indiana Jones pretty much made archaeology cool, okay? When you think about archaeology, you think, okay, that's great. You're digging up old bones, kind of boring. I don't understand how, like Indiana Jones was cool. Like he was legit, all right? It wasn't just digging up bones. He was, he was like chasing down Nazis and he was, uh, he was finding like gold, all this gold treasure and all these things, like chasing all these folks down. But Indiana Jones, there's a scene in one of the movies from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade where and he's trying to save his dad. He's got, he's, he has no idea on the complete opposite side of this huge canyon, he's got to get to what he needs to help save his dad. And he has no idea how to get across because there's no bridge. And all he has is this little book that tells him that at the end of the Stonehead, he has to take a, a, what they call a, the leap of faith. Okay? He's got to take the leap of faith. And he has no idea what that means. He doesn't know what it is. All he knows is he needs to get from one side to the other. So what I want you guys to do is just real quick, check out this scene and see what happens with Indiana Jones. Now, how many of you guys would have actually taken the step, right? Like, you had no idea what's in front of you. If you would have been smart, if Indy would have been smart, he would have taken the dirt and thrown it out there like he did once he got to the other side of the bridge. But think about that. That's a, that's a, a perfect example of a leap of faith. You have no idea what's going on. All you know is you have all this going on behind you, right? You have all these things that you're supposed to do. You have all these people yelling at you that need your help, that need you to do something. And you have no idea how to get to the side that you need to get to, to your end result. So eventually, you just have to just... Take a jump and pray that you land. Just pray that you hit solid ground. And that's exactly what Indiana Jones did in the video. Part of having faith, guys, is, is having no idea what comes. Having no idea. That's how we put faith in God is that we, we trust that he's going to lead us in the right direction. That we trust that God has a, has a plan for our lives and has something out there. And that involves being risky and taking a, taking a step of faith. See, getting dirty means taking risk. It means doing things that are out of the norm, doing things that maybe you're not 100% comfortable with. Having a relationship with God or seeking a relationship with God sometimes can be risky business. And that's what I named tonight's message. I said, dirtiness is risky business because it is. If we're going to be dirty for God, we got to be risky. We got to get out of our bubble. We got to get off the sideline. We got to get and do things that, uh, you know, our, our mind tells us no, but our body says, yes, you can do it. Or, or our mind tells us no, but our heart says you need to do it. These are things that we have to do if we're going to follow Christ. We can't just spend our time sitting there and not following God. In the book of Mark, uh, it actually talks about 
how we must love God and the amount of love of God that we have to have if we're going to show him how much we trust him or how much we love him. In Mark 12, verse 30, here's what it says. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. So God's telling us, hey, you got to love me with everything you got. That means love me with your faith. That means you got to trust me. That means sometimes I'm going to ask you to do things that, that you're not comfortable with. It even, it even continues to be backed up that we see in the book, uh, the book of Luke where it talks about the same thing, where Jesus reminds us that, that sometimes we have to make choices for him and that if we're not living for him, then really we're not living at all. It says in Luke chapter 17, verse 33, it says, those who try to live their lives will lose them, but those who give up their lives will save them. See, Jesus is saying, hey, look, what's the point of having a relationship with me? What's the point of being saved? What's the point of, of making a difference if you're not even going to live your life, you can say, hey, I have I have identity in Christ. That's who identifies me. But I'm going to stand here on the sideline. I'm not ready to move over. I'm not ready to get into the game because I, I just don't want to get dirty. I don't I don't want to do those things. I don't want to be outside of my of my bubble. But you see, Jesus was the king of risk taking. Jesus took more risk than anyone else. He took risks that he didn't have to just to prove a point. On several occasions, he took risks. That would just put him outside of his safety net, put him outside of things, because Jesus was trying to prove a point that, guys, we can't live in a bubble. We can't live in something that we can't get out and show people. We can't be uh, we can't be leaders for me. We can't bring others to me if we live inside of this bubble. See, Jesus was dangerous, right? Jesus took dangerous tasks. Jesus did things that other people wouldn't do. You know, Jesus spent more time sacrificing safety than he did practicing it. Because he said, I, I got to do this. I got to show the world. I got I to gotta make a difference. And so tonight we're going to look at a couple of different stories in that. We're going to look at things that, that Jesus did. So the first thing I want you guys to do, go ahead and turn into Luke chapter 5 for me. We're going to start here. We're going to be jumping around a little bit. But what we're going to see from this, we're going to see from this first story is that Jesus teaches us that risky is forbidden. Risky is forbidden. Here's the thing. What we're going to find here real quick in Luke chapter 5 is we're going to find Jesus comes face to face with this man who's sick. Okay, this, He has this extreme disease. Okay, Now, the reason that riskiness sometimes is forbidden is because the way culture looks at us, it tells us we're not allowed to do things. Like, hey, I'm sorry, you can't do that. You can't go here. You can't make this choice just so you can show people how you love your God. You can't you can't, uh, you can't preach out loud or you can't uh, pray in schools. You can't do these things. There's things that sometimes society and culture keep us from because that's risky. It's doing things that maybe not everybody would do. So we see this. We see Jesus comes face to face with this man. But to understand really why risky is forbidden is you have to understand what this man had. So this man had what was called leprosy. Okay? Leprosy in this times in the Bible, well, it was forbidden to touch them. It was, it was literally almost forbidden just to come in proximity of them. This disease was extremely feared by culture. They feared leprosy. See, now leprosy was a very sick disease. They even took people that had leprosy and they were secluded from culture. Culture removed them. You're not good enough. You're nothing but waste. I'm sorry. You have a disease that can't be cured. You're infectious to other people. So they sent people into leprosy colonies. They called them lepers and said that they had to live in a leper colony away from everybody else. So they had to live with people that also had dealt and had the disease. Now, people feared this disease 
because of a couple different things. One, leprosy, what happens is, is the skin becomes disfigured. It becomes covered in boils. Like, just imagine if your entire, like, just say your entire arm was covered in nothing but just like pus and pimples and just it was ballooned up like nastiness. That's what ends up happening from leprosy. And what ends up going from that is the way they felt is just by grazing someone, just by touching them, that you could incur this disease and have it. That's why it was forbidden to touch these people. It was almost forbidden just to speak with them because it could, they felt like whatever it is, if you interacted, if you were around them, then you're going to take on this disease and you're going to have this disease. Well, we're going to see Jesus do the forbidden. We're going to see Jesus do something that's completely out of the norm just to prove a point. So in Luke chapter 5, I want you guys to jump down with me to verse 12. Here's what's happened in the story. It says, when Jesus was in one of the towns, there was a man covered with a skin disease. When he saw Jesus, he bowed before him and begged him, Lord, can you heal me if you will? I want you guys to underline this next one because this is the important part of the verse. Here's what it says. It says, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I want you to underline that. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man and said, I will be healed. Immediately the disease disappeared. Now, did you guys kind of, did you guys kind of catch what Jesus did? Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. You got to remember Jesus is the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the Son of He's the Son of God. Jesus can do anything. Jesus is the man that rose from the dead. Like whatever Jesus wants to do, it can happen. So if Jesus can do whatever he wants, if it's forbidden to touch a man with leprosy, if it's forbidden just to talk to this man, then why did he reach out and touch him? Jesus reached out to touch him because it was risky because he had to get dirty, because he had to do something. You have to think, this man has probably never been touched. He's never been held. He's never had anybody that cared because he was secluded. He was pulled out. So Jesus had to get dirty to show, hey, look, I care about you. Hey, I don't care what you have. I don't care what disease you're dealing with. Let me hold your hand. Let me deal with you. Let me help you through this. So Jesus reached out his hand, touched this leper, and he ends up being healed from this because that's what Jesus had to do. See, sometimes riskiness outweighs the safety. It outweighs what we need to do. It outweighs the, the, the point of what we're doing or trying to help somebody. Sometimes we need to be risky in that point. Sometimes to show someone love, we've got to be risky. We've got to risk our own lives. We've got to risk ourselves. And that's what Jesus was trying to prove to this man. You know, Jordan was telling me about a story uh, when he was in high school. Uh, he went out to Ecuador on a mission trip. Well, in Ecuador, um, you guys know it's extremely hot. Okay, you got to remember it's about eight thousand feet in the air. Okay, it's about two to three inches closer to the sun than where we are now. Okay, so you can imagine how hot it is when you're in Ecuador. So they're outside, they're working on building, uh, building things and helping this community. Well, the house that they were staying at, compared to the site where they were doing things, was about two or three miles away. And Jordan told me that every single morning when they went on this trip, the first thing they would do is pack tons of water bottles, okay? Because here's the thing you got to remember, Ecuador is considered a third world country. It doesn't really have good water systems. You can't just go to your bathroom or go to your sink and just turn water on. I'm thirsty. Let me put some ice in a glass, put a little water in there. I'm good. I'm going to drink it. He couldn't do that. They couldn't do that because it's country. So they had to bottle up their water. They had to take it with them. Well, he told us that one day is that they just didn't pack enough. They didn't have enough water in their bag. And so he said he was with a couple of Ecuadorians, that there was about two of them and their translator and himself. And you have to remember as well, when you go on a mission trip and do things, a lot of times you have to get vaccinations. You have to have things that will protect you from diseases that you may face or may come encounter with in that country. Well, when this happens, 
a lot of times the people that Jordan's dealing with, they don't have to have those because they're there all the time. So as they're walking and doing these things, Jordan says they got to the point where they had no more water left because they didn't pack enough. They had about maybe, I think he said they had maybe a bottle or two left, and they had to share it between the four of them. He said it was even to the point where they thought they were going to pass out and fall out because that was before they even started their trip back. So they've been working all day doing these things, and now they had to take a trip back to the house. And so what Jordan said they end up having to do, which may not seem like a big deal to you, but if you think about where he is, what he's dealing with, the culture that he's in, the fact that there are diseases that our bodies are not exposed to, Jordan said the fact that the only thing they could do is really share the leftover bottles of water they had. They had to share it with one another. Now, again, you may not see that as big. That is a big risk. That's a risk to share water bottles with somebody from another country that doesn't have the vaccinations you have, doesn't have these things. But by Jordan doing that, he was able to outreach what he did. He was able to outweigh what he did. It was a very large risk for him to do that. But he showed people the love of Christ through that. He helped them. He showed them uh, what it meant to say, hey, look, let's just share this. Let's do this together. Let's have these things. I'll share what I have with you uh, and did that on the way. So when I think about that, it just shows that sometimes our, 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 all the things that we deal with, it just outweighs those risks. And so you see, when you guys decide to put your needs above, above, above other people, then we can't show them Christ's love. But when we put other people's needs above our own, what ends up happening is, guys, you're exposed to, to situations you're exposed to experiences. You're exposed to people that maybe you never would have been because you reached out and you took a risk on somebody because you chose to, to show somebody love and say, hey, my needs are not above yours. I'm going to put your needs above my own. I want to reach out to you. I want to help you. So he put these people first. And when we do that, a lot of times we experience things that maybe were unpredictable and we experience things that end up in turn getting us dirty. Now, I understand, guys, being risky isn't always easy. It's not the easiest choice to make. I've told you time after time that, that, that being a believer and having a relationship with God is not meant to be easy. If it was easy, then we'd have a world full of Christians. We'd have a world full of believers, but it's not meant to be easy. It's not meant to, to take the easy road. And sometimes when we do these things, they can freak us out. Okay, it can freak us out to take a risk. It can, we have fears that will bring us to our knees because we have to take a risk. A lot of you know about uh, our Geronimo series and how I was asked to do the snake video. But, and you guys, I know it's funny. You saw some of you seen the video. If you hadn't, you can go to YouTube, check it out. It was not fun. I literally came inches away uh, or seconds away from peeing on myself because I had to literally hold a 30-foot snake. Um, you can say it was this big, but I promise you it was about 30 feet long. But I had to hold this snake. And while it's funny for you guys, you're like, ha ha, Pastor Adam had to hold a snake. He's scared of it. Just imagine yourself, like take something you're scared of, okay? Some of you in here may be scared of the dark. It's okay. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to admit it. Some of you in here may be scared of insects. There are probably some of you in here that are scared to death of birds, okay? Like you see a bird and you like freak out. Like I can't do it. There are some of you in here that are scared to death of dogs, okay? There are people in here that are probably scared to death of cats, Okay, I'm one of those. I don't like cats. They scare me. They creep me out. Okay, I think they're satanic. I'm scared. They're, they creep me out. Okay, but you may be that person. But think if you take something that scares you. Like for me, it was that snake. And imagine putting yourself in a position that you know that you're saying, okay, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna do this to present God's word, which is how Pastor Brandon tried to convince me to do it. Like, so you don't want to bring people to Jesus. That's cool. So he threw me under the bus on that one. 
But if you think about it, when you're faced with something you're scared to, sometimes it means doing something you don't want to do. Guys, I can't tell you how bad I did not want to do that, okay? I, yeah, I think it's funny when people watch the video. I think it's funny when people hear me tell that I think I'm going to pee on myself, all these things. But at that time, like you had no idea what it was like holding that snake, okay? It was the most awkward, nastiest, most satanic thing I've ever had in my life, okay? Satan was literally in my hands, okay? That's how I felt the whole time that I was standing there. But I'm experiencing this. So a lot of times when we are faced with a risk that we can see that may be a danger to us or scary to us, what ends up happening is risky is dangerous, okay? Risky is dangerous. And that's what it can be because that's the way it makes us feel. That's the way that that we feel when we do those things. See, Jesus himself, like I said, took plenty of risk. There's another story I want to look at. If you guys want to turn me to Matthew chapter 8, it's another story where where Jesus took a risk that honestly, if it was any of us in this room, you'd be scared to death to do it. What ends up happening is Jesus has these two men that he comes across that are possessed by demons. Okay? Now, nobody in this room wants to be a demon hunter. If you tell me you are, you're lying to yourself. Okay? I'm talking like, like Constantine, like legitimate, like freaky stuff, like exorcist demon things. If you read in scripture, it talks about these men being in caves and how people weren't even allowed to walk near the cave because of how they were, because they were possessed by demons. So Jesus is doing something that none of the rest of us will do. Again, you can say you'll do it, but let's just be honest. When you're faced with that demon right in front of you, you're like, uh, I may have been gone a little bit too far. I may have dove into something I don't want to be a part of. And so nobody else could handle the situation. So Matthew chapter eight, verse 28, let's check this out. It says, when Jesus arrived at the other side of the lake in Gugula, okay, I'm just, if you can't read it, it's what it is, people, two men had demons in them, met him. So these guys faced with demons have met Jesus. It says that these men lived in burial caves and were so dangerous that people could not use the road by the caves. Okay, so you know people don't go near this. They don't want to be a part of it. They're like, I'm not doing that. I'm not helping these guys. They're, they're, they're satanic. They're covered with demons in them. Like, I can't even walk near the cave because something's going to happen to me. It says they shouted, what do you want with us, son of God? Did you hear, or did you come here to torture us before the right time? So the demons inside of these men are scared of Jesus. because, like, are you here to torture us? They say near that place, there was a large herd of pigs feeding what you'll find is the demons are, are actually scared of Jesus. Okay, they, they fear Jesus. And so in verse 31, it says the demons begged Jesus. You got you to gotta think, is Jesus how gratifying that is? He's like, yeah, beg to me to be removed from these men. So Jesus saying that, that they're begging. It says, if you make us leave these men, please send us into this herd of pigs. Jesus said to them, go. So the demons left the men, went into the pigs. And then this is the fun part. It says, then the whole herd rushed down the hill into the lake and were drowned. Okay? You got to think, demons in a pig, they're like, he's put these pigs inside, he's put these demons inside the pig, they've gone off and they've drowned. The demons are done, they're dead. You have to think about it, it's kind of an ironic way for these demons to be done and go because they spend their life in eternity in hell and they end in water. Okay? They're never going to see it again. Ha ha. That's where the demons ended at. But it'll catch to you guys in a little bit. So, but Jesus, he had no fear of these demons, right? Like, you know, even in us, like I know in myself, I'm not, I'm not handling that. I'm not going near a cave that's got men that are possessed by demons. It's not what I'm going to do. Okay. It'd be hard for me to, if Jesus came to me and said, Adam, um, I need you to go handle these guys that are covered with demons. Um, they're going to be scary. Nobody goes down here. Uh, and I need you to handle this for me. 
it would be a very hard thing for me to take that risk. That's a massive risk to take. But Jesus did it because when it comes to being risky, it can be scary for us. It can be scary with the things that we deal with. Um, I still think when you look at that, that even the demons said, hey, this son of God is going to change us. This son of God is going to remove us. We're scared to death of him. They begged him to be removed. And so Jesus spent his entire life performing these kind of miracles. Jesus spent his whole life doing things like this, doing things that were out of the norm, doing things that other people like us would never do because it's too big of a risk. It means we got to be too dirty for that. But what ends up happening is, as you read through scriptures, you see because Jesus does these things, because he performs these miracles, because he does these things that are out of the norm and considered risky, that it even ends up bringing Jesus to the end of his life. It ends up costing him his life. If you guys look in Matthew chapter 26, verse 8, it's just one simple verse. It says, at the meeting, they plan to set a trap to arrest Jesus and kill him. Because these men just feared what they don't understand. They feared something they didn't get. They, were, they, weren't, they weren't brave enough to take a risk to understand who Jesus was. And so as I go ahead and invite the band back up today... I want to just kind of look at this last point that, that while being risky can sometimes be scary, being risky can sometimes be dangerous, being risky can sometimes just force us to be out of our norm, the cool thing about being risky is, guys, that sometimes risky is life-changing. Risky is life-changing. Now, when you think about that, and risky being life-changing, what that means is is that sometimes you got to step out of your comfort zone. Sometimes you got to do something that, that you're not comfortable with. Sometimes that, that you got to do something that, that, that your gut says, don't do this, don't do this, you shouldn't do it, like, like you can't handle it, your gut's telling you the wrong thing, while your heart's saying, yes, you can, yes, you can do this. I know it's scary, I know it seems like it, you can't handle it, I know it seems like it's something big, like something you can't do, but you can. See, guys... Sometimes it means that, we've cha- that we change who we are. We get off the sideline. We get back into the game. A couple things that you may look at that think about are risky, like even for you. Look at your own life. Maybe, maybe for you, something risky is just serving, okay? Just being here on a Wednesday and serving. Being in a position where when new students come in, you welcome new students. You're like, that's kind of a scary thing for me. Like, nobody likes to be the new kid. Nobody likes to be the person that nobody else is around, that, that nobody else has to talk to because they don't know anybody. Maybe that's a way for you to do something that's a risk. Maybe you've always said, I'm just not somebody that's out there and engaging. But maybe you think to yourself, hey, this is a way for me to, to take a risk. This is a way for me to have people feel welcome. This is a way for me to, to bring people in to do things that I normally wouldn't. Maybe it's for you as a risk to lead a small group. Maybe that's a big deal. Maybe you say, hey, I've always attended one. I've gone to one. I've been a part of one. But if you're asking me to lead a small group, that's scary. You're telling me that there's people in a group that are coming to something I'm putting on and they're listening to what I'm saying. I got to prepare a, a small devotion. I got to open the Bible and I got I to gotta read something to people. That's a little bit of a scary situation. And so that's what can be life changing. Maybe, maybe it's something that maybe you, maybe you see people do transition and you're like, man, I would love to be the person in front with a microphone. So that's how I got to where I am. I told my wife, I'm always the person that's got to have a microphone. I like to be the center of attention. It's my, it's my, my issue. Okay? I, just, I enjoy having a microphone. But I can't tell you how scary it was the first time I ever had to stand on a platform in front of people. It didn't work out. It didn't go well. I lasted about 15 seconds. 
before I said, why don't you shake somebody's hand? And I just went like I was done. But it was life changing because as I did it more and more and more and more and more, I can stand up here and I can give you a message and I can deliver one and I can prepare one and I can do these things because that was a massive risk. That was a massive risk for me to stand on a platform. Maybe, maybe you guys want to do what these guys do. Maybe you want to stand up here and do worship. Maybe playing in front of other people is kind of scary. Maybe you're like, I have no idea how to transition to a song. I have no idea how to, how to do that. I can't do a solo in front of other people. Are you kidding me? They're looking at nothing but me. Like I'm in charge of their worship time. Are you serious? But guys, that's a risk that can be life-changing. If you choose to do something like worship and that's what you want to do and you feel like that's your gift, how do you not know that that time you lead that solo or that time that you do something that somebody's not listening to every word that you're singing and they're connecting to something that's going on in their own life and you're making that change. You took a risk and it's life-changing. Guys, taking a risk means stepping out of your comfort zone. Taking a risk means doing something that, that you didn't think you could do. Taking a risk means being Christ-like. Doing things that Jesus did that the rest of society condemned him for and said, because you choose to do these things, you're going to hang on a cross. Sometimes it means doing things that, that guys just flat out brings you to your knees because you say, I can't do that. That's just, that's too much for me. And guys, when you look at it, sometimes the, the biggest risk you take, sometimes the biggest risk that you take may get you the dirtiest, but it might be the most life-changing and you have no idea what a risk that you do could do for someone else's life. I want you guys to go ahead with me tonight and just bow your heads. All heads bowed and, and all eyes closed. Here's a chance for you guys, just real quick. This is it's always my favorite part of the, the night. Because guys, this is the one time where you get to listen to the band play and you don't have to stand up. You don't have to do anything. Guys, you just spend about a minute or two with God. Just kind of going over what's in your own life. These guys are playing. Just listen to the music. Talk to God. Spend that time saying, hey, God, where do I take some risk in my life? Maybe this is your time to talk to God and say, hey, God, I need you to present me with some risk. I need you to present me with something that's going to push me out of my comfort zone I need you to present me with something that I know I'm not going to go and look for myself. I want you guys to think, like right now, what are some things that you could do that would be considered risky? What are some things that you could do that, because you choose to be risky, guys, you get to show exactly who Jesus Christ is and the love that he has for you and every other person that sits in this room. Maybe you guys are sitting here today and you can't ask those questions because you don't have a relationship with them and you just don't know how to start it. You don't know what a relationship is. You don't really understand this whole thing of loving, loving God and, and having a relationship. Guys, I'm, I want to give you the opportunity to have that, to have that relationship with Him. Guys, all that nobody's looking in the room. All heads are heads are bowed. All eyes are closed. But God, I guys, I just want to challenge you tonight. Seek that relationship with God. Commit to Him tonight. Commit to stepping out of your comfort zone. Because for some of you, just accepting Christ into your life and changing your lifestyle is risky enough. 
Some of you sitting here know that, Adam, if I do this, my friends will leave me behind. My family will make fun of me. Like, I will have the, like, my entire life will change. I'm comfortable with my life. Guys, it's not about living comfortably. Sometimes it's about being uncomfortable with what we have so we can show people exactly who Christ is. I want to challenge you guys tonight with that. Challenge you to, to take a risk. Take a risk that you can raise your hand today. If you legitimately know I don't have a relationship with God, I want you guys to take tonight as an opportunity to ask Him into your life, to ask Him to be your Lord and Savior. If that's you, in just a moment, you'll have an opportunity. Nobody's going to see. You don't have to worry about anything. Guys, it's just your chance to to say, I'll do that. If that's you, if you're ready for that, if you're ready for that opportunity, if you're ready to, to take it, because guys, it is a risk, and it is hard, and it's not going to be an easy lifestyle, but it'll be a fulfilling one. It'll be one that's life-changing. Guys, if that's you, if you're ready for that commitment, I challenge you guys today, just slip your hand up. Nobody's looking. Put it up high so people can see. I see your hand. I see that one, guys. I'm proud of you. If you're here, this is your opportunity. I see that one as well. Guys, this is your chance. If you've messed up, if you've had things that you had to do, like, God, I, I got to get back on track. I'm right here. I got, God, I've gotten away from you. I'm ready to make that commitment. Guys, I see that hand. That's awesome. Last chance, guys. If you're ready for that, if you're ready to take that risk, I challenge you guys. I see that hand. Guys, that is amazing. Down up front, down the middle, in the back. Guys, you guys are making a risky decision, but I promise you it's an amazing one. God, we love you. God, we thank you for students today. They, it's, it, they, they take a risk that it's not easy to take, God. It's not easy to, to say, hey, I'm going to do this. Hey, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my hand up. God, I, I'm going to chase after you, God. I'm going to do something. My whole family, my friends, none of the people follow you. They, they don't like it. They don't understand it. But God, you have friends that are, that you have people that are here today that, that say, God, I want to be friends with you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to know what it is to chase you. And God, I ask that you... You use these students today. Don't let it just be something that fades away after tonight. Don't let it just be a message that they heard that, that they say, I just got to raise my hand at the end. But God, I ask when they wake up tomorrow, when they wake up the next day and the next day, that God, they use it and they use it to chase after you. God, they go out there. They, they get risky. They do things that are crazy. God, they're an amazing generation. They do some crazy things. But God, it's for you. It's for, for this entire generation to just change the mindset. God, I ask that you take these students. And God, you use them today. You use them for the rest of this school year, the rest of this time, God, just to change the lives that are around them. In your name we pray. Amen.